You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. technology and I love failing air conditioning. It's uh, starting out to be a hot summer here in Maryland. <laughs> um, welcome. Hey, my hair is definitely showing it. Thank God this is an audio only podcast because nobody needs to see this right now. Uh, this is Maddie of the Voluntary Vixens joined as usual by my co-host Jesse. Hey there guys. Very pin straight hair today. Very good for you. And um, we are joined by awesome ally uh, coming to us from the armpit of Florida. Uh, she described <laughs> she described it as the armpit. I'm not denigrating the armpit or our guest, but our guest Megan Mansell. <laughs> Thank you for having me. How are you? <laughs> Very good, despite the uh, heat that I'm starting to feel like uh, early menopause, and I don't want to joke about that. <laughs> Uh, but anyway um we're very happy to have you and so um i guess maybe a little bit of an introduction um and then i'll preferably pass this to you so you you know i'd like you to introduce yourself a bit but i found you because again um i think i found you actually through like the rational ground group on twitter who I found because Tom Woods and maybe a few others really started pointing to you and your group early on. And um, thank God, like, thank God there was somebody to point to. Like, I know it was frustrating for somebody like Tom and, and myself. Like, we knew that none of this stuff made sense logically. Like, it wasn't connecting. A plus B did not equal C. Just because I think, you know, common sense that is no longer common um logically things weren't adding up and i mean like i know i've got a um scientific background so does jesse jesse's a nurse i've um i've got a biology degree and i work to this day like with um with experts right the experts i and so it was quite a quite an unusual shift in terms of um you know thinking that i had some rational thinkers around me and uh it was very upsetting to realize that I didn't. So honestly, it was like searching far and wide across the Twitter sphere, looking for people that actually were starting to make sense of this stuff. And you were one of the names and people and voices I came across. And so, you know, thank you for for shining your light and um, in your in your kind of I think your your unique way and your unique background and skill set. I'm a unicorn. Yay! <laughs> we love unicorns. It's okay though. You know, sometimes people have kind of a weird amalgamation of things that don't make sense. And 
I started working when I was 13. And so like you've heard a, a little tiny portion of my history, but I'm the only person I know who was changing your ostomy and colostomy bags when I was 14 years old. So I've been mm -hmm. around severely and profoundly disabled populations for a really long time. And it, it's, I think that when you're given the responsibility of, of accommodating people um, who are truly medically vulnerable, you need to value their life and that the information that you're telling people, um, especially within the public sector, it needs to be correct information and it needs to it needs to tell a whole story. It, it should connect one to the other that you, if you're telling people that this is a protective measure, it needs to actually function as that and this hasn't and mm -hmm. if this had a instead of a 99.6 percent survivability rate if we had a 50 percent fatality rate well we would be you know tripping over bodies in the street using these current measures and this is what we will pivot to next time this is what we've convinced an entire world's populace is the best protective measure while it's also something that exacerbates the issue at hand. Um, and, and, and unfortunately for audio, this is something that it's, it goes better when you can see it, when you can just oh, yeah, see that focused yep. plume of fine particulates. Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? <laughs> I have a tendency <laughs> to do that. You haven't even really told people who I am, so <laughs> I, can, I can hold off on plumes for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> plumes are fun, though. Um, but you do make a valid, very valid point, and um, I think like something that you and the group have been doing is providing like I'm a very visual person. So like when the charts started coming out, the charts, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, um, it was, I needed that. It was so satisfying. I could finally see what I was kind of like envisioning. And um, so I guess to, you know, I'll don't, so that I don't misspeak, I'll let you get into the, like some more specifics perhaps, but um, you know, charts and anybody listening to us probably may also listen to Tom Woods. And I know he's been like about as ecstatic about these charts as I am clearly. But um, so basically, you know, so, okay. I guess when you're saying um, this, like what these measures are that like the society has adopted now as they've been told or like, which is so weird and we can get into the Fauci emails. I think we should, <laughs> um, but yeah. it's like things that. If I, there are so many people you. that I could tell you to FOIA. I, I mean, just, just based on what I've se sent alone and, and all of the people that I've tried to contact by myself on this. So mm -hmm. my background is in severely and profoundly disabled populations integration for the public sector under full ADA, IDEA, and OSHA compliance, which are regulatory bodies for integrating in, within the, the public sector and public school systems. I have a background in PPE applications for hazardous environs, which is which respirators or masks or uh, personal uh -huh. kit works when and why. I'm not an industrial hygienist hygienist, but I do consult frequently with industrial hygienists because it's a really important part of this conversation. Mm -hmm. You're telling somebody right. that they uh, must, you know, wear this apparatus. <laughs> a, a mask is 
so many different things. And without, you know, everybody pivoted to doctors without realizing that doctors aren't the people who pick out what industrial kit that they're wearing to protect themselves in hospitals. They don't spend time on that. They spend time on, you know, making sure that their their hands are steady in surgery and that they're well equipped for what what they're doing and we also aren't considering that surgeons wear surgical masks during surgery for bloodborne uh, pathogenic spray into the mouth and nose in in conjunction with eye protection mm-hmm. there there is no improvement on wound infection rates and um, they don't generally wear those things for the protection of airborne pathogen. And so Mm -hmm. we just took every kind of mask and respirator and everything all at once. And we just looped them all into one big bubble and one group. And somebody said, okay, just do this without ever actually looking just really simply at the particle. COVID as a particle floating in space this begins with a 0.06 micron pathogen. And a 0.06 micron pathogen falls under the 0.3 micron threshold. This is also a low minimum infective dose pathogen. A lot of people say between, some people say between 10 and 100 virions, other people say 100 to 300, and other people, and other people say 100 to 1,000. Okay, let's go with the highest end of that range. And you take the exhale of a a given person, and within a one-minute period, that's 100,000 virions is is the count on that. So break that down and do the math on that. You can infect multiple people, five or more people, with the highest count number of that, five or more people with a single breath in a given space. These are kind of important things to to think about when you're telling people that they should wear something, just anything, any mask will do. People will say, okay, well, you've got vented N95 respirators being used at test sites across the nation, which are the people most likely to come into contact with novel pathogen or your test site administrators and those people interacting with the sick regularly. Um, We're also commingling our sick in these nosocomial environments where we are constantly increasing atmospheric viral load. So every single breath Mm -hmm. biotransmissible positive within a given space increases atmospheric viral load of a pathogen that remains aloft for hours in these enclosed spaces, even days, depending on the airflow patterns. This isn't something that responds predictably to gravity in this range. And people will say, well, it's not just going to be an unbound particle floating in space. Okay, great. Well, it can be bound to multiple other COVID-sized particles as well as other matter and still fall well under that 0.3 micron threshold. And a lot of people are evaluating aerosols and saying, okay, well, how long does a five micron particulate stay aloft? And and they're even showing that larger particulates above that 0.3 micron threshold still remain aloft longer than just a, a really large actual, what you would consider a droplet, something you can see and something that you can see drop. And so if you're evaluating it like this, you'd say, okay, well, our test site administrators certainly shouldn't be breathing an 
a vented plume directly over testing materials that or directly in a car window of an 89 year old person who just had the sniffles before they showed up. And then that plume is breathed directly over the testing materials and then stuck right up someone's nose. And you're using PCR thresholds yeah. to try to indicate live viral matter. And mm. so it, it kind of throws a, a wrench at the whole asymptomatic, pre-symptomatic positive because the first point of contact, when we don't get these things correct, when we don't check our absolutes before going out and rolling out a nationwide testing program, <laughs> we're not using quarantine strategically, we're not using testing strategically, and we're most certainly not protecting our vulnerable populations. Mm -hmm. And so you know, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to, <laughs> to, to kind of rest over. You, you get a point where you're like, okay, if you're just arguing with somebody about the color of something or whatever, you can eventually get over some things and say, okay, I'm not going to argue with this person anymore. It's not worth it. This is worth it. <laughs> when your children are required to wear an untested, unregulated apparatus in order to have access to school that they'll be in for eight to 12 hours a day that does cause decreased oxygen, that does cause increased carbon dioxide and has a, a host of other pathogen uh, directly in front of your, your mouth in a moist, porous breeding ground, um, you know, you, you should have a say as a parent of whether or not you're putting your children or yourself through things like that. Um, because uh, OSHA is, is a big part of this, and uh, they, they need to hear that they're defeating the point of their own existence with the requirement of an expressly non-mitigating apparatus for the actual pathogen size range at hand. Um, if places like that, if places like OSHA cave, then they have defeated the entire purpose of their own existence. Because if they'll do it for a pathogen with a 99.6% survivability rate and say 0.4% of the world's population don't matter enough to have you know, correct information when it comes to PPE, this 31,200,000 people that we're just shrugging off and saying, you know, um, you're just better luck. It would be better luck next time, but there won't be a next time because you were in that 0.4% of people. So we can correct course on this easily. And with those vulnerable populations, they shouldn't be convinced that there's this apparatus that's protecting them, that they can then go and safely co-mingle with other people in public spaces that's actually getting people killed. Our health department's handing out 16,000 cloth and surgical masks directly to our vulnerable populations in adult homes and care facilities. These same people who don't have access to sanitation when they're handmade, uh, unstandardized, unregulated apparatuses from people in our community. And we're saying, well, we're not gonna take your life seriously. It's, it's condoms full of holes are not better than yeah you know? yeah <laughs> but that's that's the logic that's a great analogy yeah you know it's uh and, and people like really really attack you for saying that and it's like i don't actually think that that's the same exact same thing as a mask but it is a public health measure that if it's the incorrect information for 
a, a given person who can't survive it, then what does it matter? Dead is dead. It is no different giving somebody a subgrade non-mitigating mask than it is a condom full of holes. So um, if, if that person will end up dead in either of those situations. So. <laughs> well, one of the arguments that a lot of people make about COVID is that um, it killed, you know, half a million people in this country or something like that um, or close to. And part of me is just like, well, all of, a lot of the deaths at the very beginning were mismanaged in the first place. Like these patients weren't cared for correctly. They probably could have been saved if they hadn't been put on ventilators. Mm-hmm. And then we thought you're, you know, you're talking about how um, when people are indoors and how a particle can stay in the air for hours to days. And uh, I'm thinking of like, these nursing home patients and how they are stuck inside a building. They can't leave. And so you're putting sick people back into these buildings. And even if you cover their mouth, like we just said, it's not stopping the particles from getting out into the air. So there are two, there are two things that would impact, um, you know, the trajectory on that. So if you have on a fitted mask, um, Plosive force generating events or coughs, sneezes, screams, blowing raspberries, things like that, that are an irregular respiratory change in pressure. And then you have your general respiration, which are both uh, the output of, of, of a given emission. And so if you have more pressure behind it, the the flow will take the path of least resistance. And so if it's a rather open matrix, it will travel through the mask. If it's a rather bound matrix, it'll go out the sides if it's Mm -hmm. capable of doing so. Mm -hmm. And so you you enter into this, well, what direction is the plume going? (laughs) Are you sitting next to somebody and they're blowing that right in your face? Like think about... It, it it helps for a visual. It helps for the people who have, you know, uh, made videos with smoke, like Emily Burns' video with video series with the smoke. Is um, it's it helps people to be able to see. Okay, this mask that I'm only wearing because I think it protects other people. Um, we really firmly need to put to bed the whole masks being source control for airborne pathogen. It was only an effective mitigation tool when this was droplet, if the droplet-based pathogen was so large that it could not be aerosolized. And one of the things you hear people frequently saying is, well, you know, the the countries that have these plagues all, not plagues, but, you know, the countries that have these outbreaks all the time, uh, they're, they're really mask-happy regions. And I'm, I don't think that you're looking at that from the same an- angle, mm-hmm. the right angle is that the mask happy regions are the areas that have these outbreaks all the time. Yeah. Right. Um, You know, but put it together that way and then look at those graphs and then look at that information. Now you, you don't hear me talk a great deal about data because I don't think that the data is correct. Yeah. I think that we're vaccinating people who already had COVID. And I think that people are out there behaving as though they already had it with a high, high false positivity rate. And I think a lot of people 
never came into contact with it until they went into either a, a medical office that, you know, we, we're, we're mixing sick with our injured, we're mixing sick with sick. And um, we looked at this as something where we're handing out hand sanitizer and worrying about doorknobs instead of just opening a window, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, just, just little simple things that will affect airflow patterns. Now, am I saying that opening a window is the be all end all of this? No, but the more that you can focus on dilution and destruction, the, the mm -hmm. PPE is the last part of this conversation. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and so is the, the whole baseline um, element of it that anything non-mitigating, anything subgrade for the given particle range never, ever, ever should have been recommended. And in hospital systems where you have nurses and you have RNs and you have LPNs and you have uh, respiratory therapists and you have doctors and you have surgeons, um, you'll notice that the better kit was given to people who were less replaceable. <laughs> and I, I disapprove of people not knowing their functional risk in a given situation being handed something that's non-mitigating non as a requirement uh, um, without the education behind it that this doesn't actually protect you from this particle size range because I think that uh, a lot of people would find a different career if it meant um, you know for, for some people if you're truly truly vulnerable to this and you can't survive a major upper, respir upper respiratory event, or not upper respiratory event, but a major respiratory event, um, then then I think that sometimes it's just worth to, to hop ship and go a different direction in life if it'll save you, um, if you're doing something really high risk, you know, but that's mm -hmm. kind of common sense. Common sense is not all that common anymore. No. It's become very apparent that it's not. I never thought that this would have to involve me in any capacity. I, I've been, <laughs> I, I just kept waiting for somebody else to step forward and say these things. And it's like, well, where, where are you? This was I know. You know, the one thing you were supposed to be doing since 1948 and 1946 when the World Health Organization and the CDC were came about so you told me that you just didn't come up with the plan that whole time and you've just decided to appoint some fella and wait for him to come up with the right answer instead of you know i started talking about calling people and i just i spent all last summer <laughs> like oh calling house of representatives people calling senators calling governors calling all of the people that in the media that you'd think like, well, hey, they certainly want to uh -huh. hear that we're yeah. doing this wrong. Nobody wants to hear. Nope. Yeah, that's the most disturbing part. <laughs> and it's a lot of nurses. I mean, we know how we have to wear the, the gear when we go in patient rooms and stuff like that. So we know what PPE we're supposed to wear for certain disease processes like MRSA or droplet precautions or neutropenic precautions. We, we know what we're supposed to be doing, but it's like all of that just went out the window when it came to this. 
because it's like, you know, another thing I think about is that the mask gives a lot of people like a false sense of safety. Absolutely. Yeah. So they don't feel like they need to wash their hands that much. They don't think that they need to, you know, take into account, like, you know, you can't just cough into your mask and then you're fine. They don't think about what accumulates on it either. And yeah. in uh, in Alachua in Florida, they did um, a sampling of a hundred child masks, oh, and I think hundred or ten. I think it was a hundred. Um, but the findings on these masks at the end of one day of wear is just the most disgusting thing, because you know children put them on surfaces. But they also wear them into bathrooms where they're picking up flush plumes. And, you know, you, you, you say that to somebody who you just saw walk out of the bathroom, you can get an interesting look on a person's face. I'll tell you that. <laughs> a lot of people don't think about these things. And then they just keep wearing it all day. They run in it. They take a bite of food and they're eating in it. And it's just the things that make you want to be sick to your stomach here. But. Uh, my favorite is uh, smokers who are like taking a smoke break and then they put that mask right back on. I'm like, <laughs> I'm so disgusted. And you know, elevated CO2 and yeah. carbon monoxide rate. I mean, so, <laughs> generally those aren't like, the, so, you know, if I, I'm not a fan of cigarette smoking and I think it's terrible for you. It's kind of gross in all kinds of ways. And, but like, so that, but you know what? You do you, right? <laughs> Have at it. And um, but so generally, those people who might be smoking, especially after the year of COVID, right? Like, if anybody was like actually concerned, maybe maybe I should kind of make sure my lungs are being taken care of. Like, this is a respiratory illness, and or like it at least affects your respiratory system, among others. You know, like I want to make sure that my lung function my lungs function properly or, or at least to the best of their ability. Those people quit smoking <laughs> this year or they quit smoking before. So anybody who's still smoking um, after this past year doesn't, you know, isn't wearing a mask because they think it's beneficial or like, you know, they're just doing it because somebody told them to and that they had to, right? Or you can't enter a building or you can't um, pick up food from a window if you don't have the mask on. Like it, it got really really crazy and excessive and I ignored any I, I ignored as many um mask requirements as I could but it was a very mask very mask heavy state here in Maryland and um but yeah so <laughs> those people that was the worst always like see and I still see it you know people smoking cigarettes and then putting that mask back on or like the smoking a cigarette and the mask on the chin even I'm just like I can't I really That's can't. High quality protection right there. Right? <laughs> I mean, if only, if only like, you know, <laughs> people, if only people in general, I don't mean to like, you know, put people down or anything, but if you think about just our world, we like convenience. You'd rather get fat sucked out of your booty instead of, you know, having to go and exercise for it. And you'd rather uh, get somebody else to cook your dinner when you're tired instead of just like, plowing through and doing it yourself. This is no different. We we took the easiest path. So you don't see people, you know, you see people taking the least or the least the least effective mm -hmm. way that they can be minimally compliant, just maliciously compliant sometimes. And 
you know, you, you can't just throw a blanket over everything. You have unaddressed chaos variables. And as long as you have chaos variables at play, who are the people who can't or won't? And there are legitimate won'ts, and then there are, I'm just not going to do that won'ts. And I think they both have a place when it comes to bodily autonomy and medical consent. Um, so, it, you know, you, you can't enforce a, a measure universally. And it, even places that have tried to do that, I mean, look at Germany. Um, they, they tried to, to make everybody wear higher grade, um, but what you're not taking it into consideration uh, just across the board and repeatedly is that there's just somehow this assumption that you wearing a mask is protecting other people. Now, there are respirators that people can wear for personal protection, and it's not what you see people wearing. You should look like you're going to the moon for the correct kit for an airborne virus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I kept but waiting for those. Like, <laughs> like I want to see more people you, in that if we're, if you're really concerned, right? You see all yeah. the pictures from, you know, you, you see that all the pictures from wartime Britain and the kids running around and the gas masks and everything. You expected something to be dropped at your door and you'd say, okay, this is your kit. This is your, you know, I expected that level of protection after all of this time and after all of this funding um, for our American citizens. We do so much for everybody else around the world. So you're telling me we didn't take care of our own first? Because that's kind of not fair. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. Plenty of uh, not fair and um, no, can't count on government to do anything um, really for the benefit of their no. own people or really the benefit of anybody because things they do abroad, um, even and then maybe even especially like under the humanitarian barrier, banner, not barrier, um, are not generally humanitarian and usually end up uh, harming a lot more than helping. And I'd say like, you know, the American citizens, like we as a country of people, we are very generous. Like we are the ones with charities that go save people in other countries. Yes. It's, it's, um, mm -hmm. And it'd be nice if we were actually effectively doing that because they look to us for guidance here and they're, they're enforcing this on their citizens in really dramatic, dramatic ways, the ways that it plays out in areas where people don't have the same freedoms that we do here. And I think a lot of people even in America have never really lived very freely. I don't think that they've just woken up any given day in their lives and said, well, what do I feel like doing today? You know, like being, being a little self-centered just to know yourself and know your own wants and convictions. I, I don't know that everybody uh, really has that. And I think that this has been a test to it. I think that there are a lot of people there who just want to be told what to do and who won't or can't be the people to like stand up to authority when the time comes because the time has repeatedly come throughout history. And this is one of those times mm -hmm. and the people that are appointed to do so aren't answering questions. They aren't, they aren't, giving comment they aren't opening themselves up to scientific dissent i'm not even sure if anyone knows what dissent is anymore because it doesn't just 
mean that we we nominate one person who speaks the loudest and first and then we just stick behind them forever because we're following them off a cliff <laughs> so just time and again yeah and that and we only know what dissent is because we see it get canceled like i, I think i I don't think I mentioned this yet. I was thinking about it and then probably forgot. So now that I'm reminded again, um, you mentioned, maybe it was you, Jesse, um, like how masks and give people the false sense of, um, of protection. And so people are more likely to engage in riskier activity than maybe they should have, especially if they were high risk. Like I'm always bothered now, like when I still see people masks, I'm like, if you are still wearing a mask, that means you are very, very concerned for your health. I think like, you know, no matter what kind of like off putting or, you know, virtue that I'm doing this for you, like, no, it's because you are scared shitless still. And so if you're still wearing a mask, it, should mean that you're very scared and if you're very scared it means you might be at risk and so maybe if you're at risk you shouldn't be milling about like with everybody else right now maybe you should still be at home maybe you should still like we've yeah. never differentiated people and their risks like nobody was ever able to make calculate their own risks for their themselves or their family it was all decided by you know the top down whether it was even the local government whether it was a state government or you know federally well, well we could before covid but yeah. here's the difference and here's what we can't move move forward until we address in my opinion the world for the truly immunocompromised and vulnerable pre-covid was a very unwelcoming place mm -hmm. and i think that we could provide meaningful measures of access for them that don't look like what we see it, it's not about control uh, it's about buy-in. When you have someone with a severe allergy, uh, like a peanut allergy in a school system is something I talk about a lot. Uh, if you go and you tell an entire school, well, you can't eat peanuts anymore, then great grandma packs lunch and we get to stab an EpiPen into a kid's leg on the playground while their ears swell up and their throat closes. Or you say, you know, I have a third grader. Is anybody willing to be in, in a peanut free class and we need you to brush your teeth, wash your hands and change your shirt before coming to school. If you eat it at home, the, the instance rate is so much lower when you have that buy-in ahead of time. And, mm -hmm. you know, early, early access to shared spaces to allow for overnight airflow or drive up or delivery accommodations, um, use of testing strategically to enter and access vulnerable populations uh, th this is what we should be doing with our testing um, and in all of our funding for this like it, it's supposed to be about protecting the people who want and also need that protection and want mm -hmm. is a big part of it because I I this is probably getting tiring for people to hear by now <laughs> who have heard other podcasts I've been on but you can have stage four cancer and ride a tiger through a flaming hoop off of a cliff without a parachute smoking a joint buck naked in California as long as you're wearing a mask and that's pretty stupid it's we, we don't <laughs> you know we we deserve better personal risk mitigation um than that because we have it in so many other areas and it's it's like people telling you what size of drink you can get without asking you, well, are you sharing this with three other people? <laughs> you know, they, they shouldn't be asking that to begin with because who, 
it, it's just this becoming the nanny state kind of right. thing. Some and, business, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, you know, in in Europe, in Britain, I found brochures that were just about signs of tiredness to see if you're, we, we don't need somebody to ask us if we check these boxes that we might be sleepy. So oh my gosh, I, I, yeah. I think we need a little less handholding here. Uh, no, I, I agree. And um, so like the dissent comes from people who might acknowledge those common sense things or again, what we think are common sense things and, and uh, pointing to the inability to make appropriate um, risk calculations and then maybe doing so inaccurately because we have, and we've been forced by this inaccurate information. But so for example, mm -hmm. like when um, Martin Koldorf, you know, infectious disease expert, epidemiologist, Harvard acknowledged on Twitter that, uh, you know, people might have the false sense of security wearing a mask and then, you know, certain vulnerable populations and people that were thought they were secure with this, this mask, you know, went out and got infected when they shouldn't have been or when they didn't have to. And so, you know, there's a lot of probably numbers mixed in that are that, but he got kicked off Twitter for that. I don't know if he's been reinstated, but like that comment got him quick kicked off Twitter. And and I want to know who the person was who felt that they had the credentials to, uh, you know, yeah, who on that. I, I don't think that anything should be taken down, even if what you're saying is really stupid, unless it's like, you know, something that is truly like a, a hurtful, harmful threat or something yeah, of that nature. That's a violence. But this isn't that. This is disagreeing with people on things that are pretty easily confirmed. And the people they, they want you to go against are just gonna show you a bunch of models from last July. Like it's not yeah. it's not anything that's actually followed, you know, uh like uh, hold to LLC charts or and uh, worth worth following on on twitter and uh ian miller it it's just you you have these people who just have read maybe three articles that they saw on usa today and they're just gonna tell you why you're just some anti-masker <laughs> whatever uh, Trump like, i'm not even like necessarily anti i just want people to like you know, I have a medical exemption. I want you to leave me alone. I also understand there are other people with medical exemptions. Leave them alone while also knowing if you want to personally protect yourself, here's how you can best do that. And, and, and people need to hear those things, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Differentiation. Yeah, it, it give everybody options. The fourth, right? Give we should access points. This is a fully mitigated pathogen. We have preventive measures. We have many, many preventive measures at this point. In addition to the, the vaccine, there's uh, so many prophylactic and health-seeking behaviors that you can y use to kind of better your odds if you do contract it. There are many treatment options other than just a ventilator. And, you know, mm -hmm. they find that people are also um, recovering far better in isolation than in hospital wards. And, and I think that that's another thing that really speaks to the atmospheric viral load, because if you're sick, you're just constantly being exposed to other people sick, sick. the exact same thing. And I, I think that that was a big misstep here. Um, we we had ship to shore scenario at one point in time and, and 
and we probably didn't and we know that now that we didn't but at one point in time there was a, a great deal of uh, hoopla about planes landing and ships in harbors and uh, the the cruise ships coming in and then the planes from China that were trying to be stopped and if you actually do have a situation like that the moment that one of those people from any country in the world <laughs> wherever that came from that is, is with a novel pathogen if you let it just stay within that given population and treat them in isolation if you don't take anyone off the, sh the cruise ship into a hospital instead of onto the hospital ship and just park that next to it then that can't get onto land <laughs> until you it, introduce it into that population and the same from a plane it's like i feel like anybody who who watched like a whole season of the x-files can figure this out <laughs> like, i just uh, feel like it's i love the x-files <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah um but but there's you know you it you it requires a, a lot of a different understanding of a lot of different areas because worker rights have a lot to do with this but so do your public sector access rights. There are a vast, vast multitude of, of qualifying disabilities for people who have legitimate medical exemptions um, from being able to participate in, in masking even if they want to. Um, and mm -hmm. there's a reason why there's medical consent and medical clearance as a part of any respirator requirement for the workplace. But we've we've thrown that out the window, and especially for kids, none of the um, kids are in none of the kids are in a, a mitigating apparatus, but they're required to go to school in them and play musical instruments through cutouts in them and run in them oh, and swim in holes, them. Holes in the clarinet mask. Yeah. Like, okay, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was speaking at a school board meeting, and they had a, a performance by masked children with that oh, cut out right beforehand and like I, I don't think you could have set that up any better for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean did you have comments on that? <laughs> of course I did. Good I'm glad and uh, some people really need like people like you who are willing to uh, stand up and point out what really you know is the obvious for us like I feel like but a lot of people just need to hear it spoken or just need to hear it said just need to see it and so like even though i i know you've probably felt hopeless at times like how many times do i have to say this guys like how many times do i have to put this chart out here how many times do i have to show you what these blooms do um but you know every single time you do reiterate that somebody else is listening somebody else is viewing and um you know, a lot of people, like, especially with, like, the, the mask mandates and the healthy people that do not need to be wearing masks out, like, so often, if I were, you know, traveling and on the road and I approached, honestly, like, and maybe some people listening to this are going to think, I'm a terrible person. I hate grandma, right? I love my grandma. Um, and I have seen her as often as I can throughout this whole pan, uh, not, not the bit, not the P word this whole year. Um <laughs> And, but like, I would look into a, <laughs> I would look into a gas station and be like, all right, do I see a single other person whose face is blank? Like, do I see another face in there? And if I saw a single other face in there, I'd walk in without a mask. Yeah. But if I didn't, I was like, fuck, I'm not going to be that person. Like, I, I, I can't, I, 
and and I don't know, you know, like I'm sorry, I'm not, I, I'm only the person I am, and it's only about here. Like I want to keep going higher and be there, but and be everything I'm supposed to be. But I know we all have our own uh, limitations too, with our own strengths, and so I I know that um people are just waiting to hear somebody else say it. As sad as it is that um not everybody can or is standing up for themselves. I think that sometimes by being a barefaced individual, you're standing up for other people as well. Um, you know, for them to say, okay, well, I did see a face today and I wonder what that person did. And, and yes, I had to get interviewed by Trader Joe's stores associates in order to go <laughs> in the store with my bare face, but I did. Yeah. And, and it was a really terrible experience for me for a long time. And I mean, I'm in Florida, but I'm in a mask mandating district in mm. Florida. That was like, and still to this day in, in this district, there are kids starting summer school who will be, have to be required to be in them, to, to be on a bus, to be on a playground, to be in the classroom and distance from each other when it's like, we know better. And we also know that kids are not the vectors of this. <laughs> like mm -hmm. You're, you're going to get kids sick with so many other things. And, and also this causes extreme developmental issues. Yeah. I'm sorry, but tooth, tongue, and lip placement is essential for the onset of, of linguistic development. Oh you have to have the ability to read caregiver social cues as a child, or we will see huge upticks in children being put on the autism spectrum in mm -hmm who because it presents the same and so much of an asd diagnosis has to do with parental reporting um it's it's there's no like blood test you go and they go and they say you know you're 80 percent autistic it's it doesn't work yeah. like that um and so you know and that also brings forth this this need for just children to have access to the kind of normalcy that their own parents see fit because everything was taken and shaken upside down and no one got a good education this year. Nobody got good service at any of their, you know, places you visit. Nobody enjoyed going on an airplane. And, and the yeah. other side of this is how many airline attendants I have messaging me saying, this is horrible for us. We don't want to have to enforce this. We don't want to have to wear masks on these planes. And so you see people, you know, the whole plane's getting shut down, people getting dragged off because they won't put this over their two-year-old's mouths. And mm -hmm. it, it's, uh, it's a, yeah, I wish a really we, sad situation. That we're I, wish we'd, I wish we'd start seeing more like flight attendants be normal in videos yeah. and and promoting normalcy like i don't know like rebel guys come on anybody yeah anybody those videos like, come on because really like they look like the worst like, yeah the i understand i understand teachers because when i was in education i don't know how many times i heard people say well they never gave me my step increase and the the union people aren't helping me with this and there's no supplies for my classroom and i'm spending these things out of my own check and you know we don't even have all the books that are required to teach this i mean like it's a mess it was a mess beforehand and i feel like yep. this just mm -hmm. covered it all up yeah but i understand why those people who always felt unheard would want to say, hey, we got a foothold, maybe we could make them do something in our favor. But 
you also got to stay home for like six months and get paid for it. So let's not forget that part. And there are kids who like will have lifelong issues because of the things they're being put through, because they're being conditioned that, oh, you know, you have to earn a mask break or you get punished and spend time. I mean, like the the little behavior charts I've seen and the reward systems, it's, it's, it's absolutely conditioning. And um, I think that people, um, you know, it, it, I don't care if you call it a religious exemption. I don't care if you call it a medical exemption. I, I don't think that you should have to come up with an answer. I think that you yeah. should be asking your employees and you should be asking your parents, do you feel the need for added protection? And all of the people who say no, just let them do everything as they did before. And the people who say yes, I hate to break it to you, but we had the whole hospital homebound system in place before. And we have tiered integrated protective groupings called bubble isolate subset populations for kids or developmentally disabled or children who maybe come from a a household where a parent's undergoing cancer treatment. Whatever it is, if you're not ready for the old school kind of normal, we can accommodate that, but it doesn't involve you going and commingling with the people who, you know, have a, a chaotic home life and that nobody is going to keep track of their mm-hmm. their interactions outside of the home because they don't want to. Um, and your free will matters. If, if you don't fight for it now, they're not going to just give it back to you. <laughs> like, right. No. No, I mean, it's even interesting that you say that because, you know, so much of, um, I don't even want to call it, like, give it the credit of calling it like this, but like the intellectual, intellectual webs and, and um, media and, and podcasting and like all that stuff, like, they were already Sam Harrising their way away from free will being a thing, right? So that was already like some degree of conditioning. Now I'm convinced. (laughs) And um, so like, you know, you don't have free will. So what's the point? Like, you don't need to do what you're, I don't know. It's just, uh, they attack us on all angles all the time. And uh, this past year was really like um, just more than a trifecta. What's like the, like everything. (laughs) It it touched every area. Every area. Well, we had, an, we had another guest on uh, a few weeks ago, and he he was talking about how they had this like celebrate vaccination concert, and J Lo was there, oh, yeah. and and they had all like Harry, uh, Prince Harry, and and uh, Meghan Markle <laughs> were speaking. So and- they so you're telling me they had a, a an event that was willfully discriminatory against all of the people who could not attend due to their medical inability to vaccinate because that's a yes. really interesting way to look at it. You were telling me that yeah, these everybody, people. It was funny because it was like all the people that went to that were like that went to that concert. They all had to be vaccinated, but they still had to wear masks in, in the audience. But the people performing didn't have to wear masks which was weird. And then, um, the separation they, of classes. It, it yeah. continues. But what was the most insidious thing is that they had, um, the Pope, he, he showed up on screen 
and he gave this speech in well, obviously in Spanish, but um, it was basically how individualism oh, is God. a virus itself and we have to fight against it because and it was just like clearly yeah, like that guy, this that guy is programming evil. of trying to get everybody we all have to think and follow what the people are telling you to think and feel and it was just so creepy how that was done and they had to, i mean they just had i mean they had royalty they had your um, entertainers and then they had the pope of all they had anyone all you could aspire to be you know yes. covering, covering you know if you're into the entertainment industry you got your base covered if you're a yeah. person who looks to the the higher crown you've got that i mean and and they're going to be going at it from all different religions around the world yeah and i just wish that people would kind of just consider their moral teachings of everything that because that's that's how i see religion i, I don't care what religion it is i feel like it, it's a moral code mm -hmm. uh more than anything I, I feel like it's something a goal to live by usually and help people kind of fall into place for how they v view that a, a society should be functional um with with given hierarchies and I think that uh, this is very cultish elements about it. Um, you shall not question our leader. This is our, you know, like, yes. that's, right? that's how it is. And you kind that's of how they start, treat you start wearing that tin hat with pride after a while. Right. Well, it's like that guy who got, he, you know, he got kicked off of Twitter for talking about the no-no things mm -hmm. instead of like just trying to come up with better information to defeat his argument. You I have just no idea how I haven't gotten kicked off. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, it'll happen. Uh, it'll happen. But I didn't have any Twitter presence before any of this. And I kind of just came out from anonymity. I used the internet mostly to like arrange play dates and things. <laughs> and I've been a, been a stay at home mom for a while. And it's just, you, you either you know you you just expected well there's there's somebody who's got to put these different things together too and um i i think there are and, and i think that there are people from all of these different areas all trying to say the same thing and it's just everybody's just trying to figure out who to say it to <laughs> they're all just That's saying it to each other and at point. some point you just realize like how many people are you just going to sit around and agree with? Okay, like who is making this a functional, ongoing mistake? And how do we get them to stop doing that? It has to happen um, to pave the way forward. And, and we have this weird thing going on with all of our governors that, you know, one will write, oh, they'll, they'll write some kind of executive order. But wait. It only covered 91% of your freedoms. And mm -hmm. we have to, <laughs> like, we have to, uh, you know, it's, it's like buffering or like downloading back in the 90s, like downloading music and you get like 36% of your song. And it, it, if the <laughs> remaining 9% of your freedoms from your 91% downloaded are the really important freedoms and you definitely notice them. And, um, and we still notice them here. And yep. you know, I don't 
Yeah, you're seen as like, oh, well, if you don't agree with that, then you're not a real, you know, real supporter of that governor or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, it's okay to tell people that they're making a mistake. <laughs> like, it's always yeah. okay to do that when lives are actually at stake. Like, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. here we are wanting grandma to not die. Yeah. Um, so I think, thought that. Right? Um <laughs> But also, like, on the on the governor thing, there's also, it's like, none of these guys are exempt, or guys are few gals. Like, none of them, even the ones that seem to be making some better decisions now, like, even DeSantis, you're not exempt from making terrible decisions. I mean, he did lock down initially, and even the idea of, like, the things he's doing from an executive order standpoint, it's like... Yeah, and the next guy can wipe that all away. Or, you know, like you, Megan, are living in an um, area that, like, that whatever he, benefits he might be providing to your state by, you know, allowing for freedom and freedom of choice, at least, like, you're in a place where they're kind of ignoring him. And so, like, there's, mm -hmm. there's this still ongoing tension of, you know, who's right and who's able to give me rights and really i hate that because it's like no like they're I, not supposed to give us rights and i understand from what i've heard from like within the desantis everything is he's saying well he doesn't want to do an exec executive order he wants it to be a law where it can't happen again okay that's great but could we have an executive order until we have that law please like you know it's i i have paper if you need a piece of paper like i'll write it out for you all you have to do is sign it i live seven miles away from your house like, yeah. um you know the governor's <laughs> mansion not, i don't Get know where up. but like happy happy to do that three o'clock in the morning i'll drive down the road and you can sign that and like yay we wake up in freedom but i don't think that it's too late to address those things and yeah. um and and i think it's really important that we do it it would give us our faith restored in these agencies i mean i don't think a whole lot of people are feeling very trusting of the cdc these days i just i'm gonna go out and say it i think maybe oh, you've got some earning back to do um in terms of how people are feeling about you but i think that you know OSHA, um, OSHA, if, if this were, you know, asbestos at five microns and uh, they said, well, okay, here's the thing. We're not going to tell you this, actually. That mask that you're being required to wear to help you with your asbestos remediation, it doesn't actually protect against asbestos, but you have to wear it anyway. In fact, it can make it worse. But we're not going to tell you that. You just have to do it. Yeah. I mean, like, if this were, you know, noxious substances, it, any any protective kit that you wear as a worker, you want to know that you are actually being, this isn't Chernobyl. Like, this is, this is that's how the response was back then. We yeah. can do better than that. Yep. Um, and some of it is behavior while you wait for a supply chain to be corrected. Um, some, some interventions have to be behavioral during times like that, but we're not there anymore. We haven't been there for a really yeah. long time. <laughs> we haven't been there for well over a year. Like we were there for maybe a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs>
But like the data and started coming it, in immediately. We never, yeah. ever, 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 ever should have pivoted to some very non-medicated Really not. I know. I, like I, st- I remember when, when our statewide mask mandate came in and it was like, now? Like, are you kidding me? Now? Like, this is what, it was April or mid-April or so. And I was just like, mind blown. Like, things could get stupider than they have been. Yeah. So, I mean... That was just the beginning, really, <laughs> in terms of me asking myself and others, like, can this get stupider? Oh, it can. You've got to think, you've really got to, like, just take a moment, maybe even, like, give a moment of silence for all of the people who decided to commit to moving their entire families into t- tiny homes before all of this. Like, oh, oh God. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> moment of silence for the tiny home attempters. Oh my gosh. I mean, you should have seen it coming, like, you know, it's stuck in there in a storm or something that, you know, it's yeah, naturally 30 disaster. square feet and you're a family of seven. No. Um, but With cats. With <laughs> or cats. And a hamster or something. Yeah. No. In that little hamster cubby under the stairs. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a, even just an example of, you know, uh, another, like, in-home like personal, familial risk assessment, like think things out, guys. Like I am probably over prepped. And I, you know, I say that like not as a invitation for anybody to come see how prepped I am. Like I'm, and I'm only prepped in certain ways, guys. I've got ways She's to got go. a toilet paper room. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've got, I've got plenty of toilet paper. Like legitimately just got another uh, package today because, you know, I'm on a subscription now. So might as well be prepared. I'm um, legitimately happy for you. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm in a really good, uh, guys, I'm in a really good place right now because I've got the <laughs> toilet paper on lock. But, you know, I mean, it, I think another maybe benefit of this year is that it, people were forced to sort of do some calculations and assessments and figure things out and like what they needed and what they were lacking and maybe how to make, make up for that. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people are addressing those needs in a variety of ways. Like I'd love to pretend that I'm going to start a garden next week. And I really want to, like, I, I, I did buy some fruit plants and they're coming next week. Right. Like, so that's just a step in the right direction. Um, <laughs> among my toilet paper stash and you know other people are having to do that too and you know I do hope that um again it's like Megan I was I'm thinking about like what you said like we figure out all these things to say to people but like we don't know who to tell and you know to some degree I I say we tell whoever is listening to tell people who aren't listening keep spreading our voices um far and wide and anybody listening, anybody reading, carry them on further, you know, like, and because it's not the, it's going to be people like us who are just the, the quote unquote normal people that are going to be people that change the tides. And we're also creating coalitions of the willing. We have people who are saying, okay, who, you know, okay, if you're the only person who showed up and spoke at a school board meeting, how can we get some other people to lend their voices or write in for you? We may live in a different district, but we want your kids to to have voices representing their needs, even if 
even if you don't speak the same language as us, even if you're from a totally different background as us, like your little innocent child spark, like it matters. It's gonna become who you are later in life. And we don't need to suppress that. We don't need to hide that behind some barrier that's not helping you anyway. And um, just, it's, it's just the saddest thing, this anonymization of that's uh, huge you know it's I hate uh, that so much. and of all of our people i think that i think that the beautiful part of it is that um people really learned during these times um who they could rely on and if there were people that they needed to spend less time around and uh mm-hmm. i think people had to kind of grow a backbone and and say mm-hmm. you know there are places that i'm going to put my foot down for my own health for my own and and for some people that was in terms of saying hey i feel the need for added protection right now and i need you to like give me some space and maybe do things differently around me and there are other people who can say yeah i'm totally cool with doing that and then there are other people who are like no i just can't operate that way and you know mm-hmm. how you uh, you know so <laughs> yeah um jesse do you have anything else that you wanted to ask megan no i mean i think she just you just covered everything that i would, was gonna pretty much ask anyways <laughs> <laughs> and then that's <laughs> oh, a good thing um megan, just a wealth of information right there i know i just think that it's not worth telling I mean, I can say it really, 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 really fast, and I can cover everything in five minutes front to back. I think it goes better as a conversation. I think it's nice mm-hmm. when people have pictures to go along with it, and I'll send you those pictures as well, just because yes, I think these plumes, you just need to see it. Yeah. You just yeah. need to hear that one thing over and over and over again. One breath, one breath from a transmissible positive individual with this particular pathogen can infect multiple people. And you are not protecting other people from airborne pathogen of this range by wearing something that you sewed up with old, <laughs> you know, fiber from your yeah. laundry room. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sorry. I really wish for your own sake that that were the case. I, I wish it were that easy. And sometimes someone's got to be the bad guy and say, hold up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was well, actually, really like, person. Uh, <laughs> Let me see if I like, so just because I have you and how many times am I going to have you in front of me um, to ask you these questions and like what you think about this and how you would answer somebody. So like, I remember um, when it was announced, you know, I think we had maybe been seeing this based on the data and just, uh, you know, understanding how small a virus particle was and this one in particular was right. And so like, but do you remember both of you like when it became official or like they tried to use the scare tactic of it's aerosolized and it was in like October and I remember thinking like yeah always been that and I've been trying to tell everybody that because all you ever had to do is look at the minimum viable particle size under pressure and that's all you'll need to look at next time yeah (laughs) and and minimum infective dose is also a big part of that and that's what I feel is you know just a really overlooked part of the conversation is just looking at this as a particle. Like, yeah. 
Uh, exactly. Attach right. the emotion. You can stop looking at variants and scariants and all of that. Oh, that's because amazing. what you're also doing with all of these false sense of security measures, with all of these boy who cried wolf, scariant, variant, whatever, what you're doing is you're having people have this like boy who cried wolf thing for next time. If there is something legitimate where people do right. need to take added protection, they're not going to know how to actually do that. So we're not, you know, preparedness is a huge part of this. Um, and, and when you can't get hand sanitizer and people aren't telling you to go out and buy grain alcohol, you know, if people are, aren't looking at this as a, uh, well, how do we actually treat this in a disaster situation? Right. If, if everything fell out, I'm going to tell you, like, nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows how to protect themselves. They go out and they buy things that, uh, you know, they're, they're stocking up on bottled water. Why is your water going to go out? Why do you think that, that a hurricane didn't hit? You're not having flooding issues. Why are you stocking up on carts <laughs> full of bottled water? Like, you know, and it's because they don't know what to do instead. And our national leadership has been such that nobody's just going to get out up there and say, okay, do this. <laughs> you know? and, and so for uh, school reopening guides, for uh, general public sector as a, a kind of, from the beginning, I've just been trying to say, do this instead because this is about actually protecting people. We shouldn't have people dropping dead who um, followed and checked all of the boxes that you told them to check and thought they were protected and weren't and exposed other people in the process. Like that shouldn't be a part of this. And there should be um, very loud voices correcting the measures when we do have a mistake um, because that's part of this. It's, it's all, um, we had the 1918 pandemic for the Spanish flu, and apparently we, we never learned anything during that time period. We also never looked at how there was a decline in natality after that. We're, we're failing to look at how stillbirth rates have increased fourfold. And I don't think that, I, you know, I've had three high-risk pregnancies, high-risk deliveries, and, and I'll tell you, I don't think just a lack of access to checkup appointments where they like ask you how you're feeling. I don't think mm -hmm. that those visits, I'm not talking about the later ones where you're, you know, I, I'm, I'm all on board with the medical testing and the protein checks and everything of that nature. But I don't think that the physical lack of access to a, an obstetrician's office is what has caused a fourfold increase in stillbirths. I think causing increased uh, CO2 exposure and decreased oxygen intake for eight hours a day for nine months is what's having that. Um, and, and you gotta think about the children who do survive. I mean, we have, um, we know the effects of cerebral palsy and it's like nobody wants to talk about what is involved in life for somebody who does have profoundly disabling conditions because it's not a walk in the park. It's something that we should avoid when it's avoidable. And we need to be really open about what kind of risks there are for people. Um, because it's, I don't know if you've seen that movie 
children of men, but this is mm-hmm. <laughs> so much of this has reminded me of children of men. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't want that for this world. I don't want that for any part of this world, <laughs> you know, and this is, and, and this is not a political issue. This is not a, we were one of the last countries on the planet to get this. This isn't our fault. This isn't, you know, you, you can't blame this on Trump. Trump didn't invent the virus. <laughs> and, right. It, it, and I'm not trying to, to sway this conversation in a political direction. I'm just trying to say the virus is the exact same size in Africa as it is here. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and they're under completely different leadership. There are places where this virus can reach where they have never heard of our leadership in this country. And the facts matter to them, too. You know, just just in the same as they do here. Yep. So. Yeah. <laughs> And the, the fact, the well, I mean, like when you're talking about like CDC and who and all these other entities that are responsible for disseminating correct information have not been doing that. Yeah. That's the scary part. So when we're no talking shame. about, yeah, if another pandemic comes out and it is, let's say, as deadly as they say it is, will we believe them the next time? Yeah. Isn't that scary? And there are people who will always be minimally compliant, but that won't save anybody. You know, wearing your virtue signaling piece of cloth to say you're all in this together. Well, if this is something that affected your age grouping, then you would all be, you know, you would be all in this together in in, in, that. I mean, infected, (laughs) you know, exposed, you are all exposed together. Congratulations. Um, And and I've tried to explain that to people. I I, have tried to explain that to people who have had um, an, an event where they had everybody required to mask in the same room where they were also going to eat and they were going to drink in a not very big room, a lot of people in that room, but the the masks were required for anybody who didn't show that they had been vaccinated. And, and, and this is in Florida also. So this is also in like 85 degree weather uh, <laughs> while it's happening. And, and, and I just, um, I think that it would be really nice if people who were legitimately concerned in situations like that had somebody saying, instead of making everybody wear a mask, why don't you work on how can we get this space uh, maximum ventilation? Uh, You know, who can we identify as, hey, this person might not need to be, uh, might, might need to be closer to a source of fresh air or spend less time with that group. But looking at the behavior elements of that and, and being realistic of, you know, if a transmissible individual is in a given space, um, I, I just, I think it's really important that we just start being really specific with the information across the board and say like, you know, if we're going to tell somebody that they have something, why aren't we doing live dead confirmation on every sample? Because that's something we're capable of doing. Um, why aren't we listening to the people who own PCR manufacturing facilities when they're saying, hey, you're using PCR thresholds way too high to indicate live viral matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. why are we not listening to the people who make those tests? <laughs> um, because somebody yeah, else 
You have to be sick. You have to be symptomatic and test positive at the same time for it to be an actual positive. Like that's what they kept saying. And there are other places that did tertiary confirmation where there would have to be two positives plus a chest x-ray or two positives plus a, a live dead sample. Okay, yeah. And I, I think that that's a good idea. <laughs> I, yeah. I think let's, that yeah, let's be should, sure, right? Yeah, especially, um, um, especially before you know, imposing measures. I, I know people who have gone through three separate quarantine periods just mm. for possible exposure, just because someone in a, a kid's class or, or mm-hmm. uh, workplace um, had had a, a flag positive. And I know uh, another person who's had their school shut down multiple times and the kids have all been sent home. And then the next day they get something finding out that it was just a false positive all along. And so you had an entire school worth of people have to take off work or find childcare. All so disruptive. Yeah. 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 Disruptive. And and when when children who flagged positive never even exhibited symptoms, things of Mm -hmm. of that nature. Yep. It's just crazy. Quite terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. Uh, um, Yeah. Find your tribe. (laughs) Yeah. Find your tribe and the and the people that um you know are both in your life and then the ones that are open that you know being doing what you're doing I think opening new doors and connecting you and like you said building coalitions I think that's been yeah. huge and we found some pretty cool people along the way and I'm very grateful for your voice Thanks. and others but um yeah so I would like all my all of our followers anybody listening to be able to find you quite easily so where should they go i'm at mamasaurus meg on twitter that's m-a-m-a-s-a-u-r-u-s and um, i'm also on rationalground.com i have a a bunch of different articles up on there and um and then I've, i've done a bunch of podcasts and media um and there's a, a fun one I could send you. I had a, a school board video. At, at the time that I gave the school board testimony, there were only 14 people watching, but um, I had a, a school board testimony video. It's only three minutes long, but um, it went viral and it kept getting pulled off of different platforms. And um, I, I got to 500,000 views in four hours and then it got wow. pulled. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I just... I, I'm able to, to speak to them as, as an equal in these circumstances. And I think that it's um, Tiffany Justice is another person who's um, from Moms for Liberty who's, who's gone up recently and kind of gone to bat as somebody who can say, you know, I've said she, she was a former school board member and can say, you know, we know the mistakes you're making. We're trained in the same arena as you and apparently better trained in this arena than you, but you're making huge mistakes and you're breaking laws. And um, it, it, it says something different to start hearing it from the higher caliber individuals who have sat in those chairs and who have mm-hmm. had the, the weight of the responsibility in these communities on their shoulders. So, um, you know, it's, it's, this is this is when you fight. 
this is what it was all about. This is what you ever grew a backbone for her times like these, or, you know, you can't go sit around, you can't go, you know, teach in your high school class about Knight and Eli Weasel, and I said that name wrong, I know I said it, but <laughs> meet guys, and you can't tell them about these people and then turn around and act like this when you're actually faced with it, because this mm -hmm. is what, that's, that's what this becomes, that's what this becomes yep. when it's unbridled, and, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm being dramatic with that. That's what you get to when you when you have a an assist, a suspended <laughs> loss of of freedom over an extended period of time and this forced compliance. It's um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. No, I mean we know where it could go, and um, we see all the reasons why it shouldn't have to go that far, guys. Um, <laughs> The greater guys um you know because anybody listening again you already know so we're speaking to the immediate choir but um hopefully inspiring others um along the way don't get all offended hearing her say guys because i moved to florida and i said you know you guys being from illinois and people would be like we're not boys <laughs> I, I, don't, don't be one of those people <laughs> yeah, well yeah i think if they're listening to our podcast they're already not one of those people but like here's here's an example <laughs> i always use guys like i manage two small companies all of which are employed like they're all females yeah i, I say guys all the time it just means you all yeah. and I'm yeah. not a southerner who says and I sound real stupid if I try to say y'all so like I, just, I, guess it doesn't, it doesn't, I can't naturally like, like Jesse can throw in some right. I totally do no, that's it <laughs> <laughs> so um on that note Jesse can you tell everybody where to find us well we're most active on instagram so you can always find us at the voluntary vixens podcast on instagram and we're also on facebook not as active there um and then we're on twitter at um vixens voluntary and um if you guys want to donate to us um you can always donate to us on our patreon at um vixens underscore voluntary and that's pretty much and it, right? Um, I need to finish exploring our new merch page or oh, our yeah. new merch collection that our awesome producer Cam has put together, but we'll drop our link in the, in the show notes too, because that's exciting on all kinds of oh, yeah. makes like just real <laughs> stupid giddy stuff, but I'm into it. <laughs> um, yeah. And actually nobody, you know, again, this is an audio only podcast, but Jesse, what's that thing on your phone? The pop socket. Yeah. <laughs> Holler. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're, we're cool. Um, you guys should get merch to be cool with us. And, um, it's, I've been, um, I've been repping my voluntary Vixen sweatshirt. No lie. Like all year I go to the gym and, um, like I've got a, um, I'm just rambling now, but proper shout out to the propaganda report. I've been wearing their, their shirt out and about like, I'm trying to find other ways to just like, maybe not so subtly bring, <laughs> bring um these alternative vo alternative voices of ours um to the forefront like you know i think um other guests we've talked about this before like we kind of have to somewhat approach this in a in a non-political way like you know we are not purposefully political it just happens to maybe align that way sometimes um but really like 
you know, it's going to be cultural shifts. It's going to be minds changing. It's going to be having change of changes of heart. And so, you know, that doesn't necessarily happen when we're talking about which politician we like the most or hate the most or anything like that. Like it should be irrelevant, but, um, anyway, (laughs) those are some of my thoughts, but, um, Again, Megan, thank you again so much for coming on and for all that you're doing. And I really hope all our listeners um, valued this conversation, but also we're going to go find all the visual awesomeness that you're able to provide and knock on wood, still will be able to provide um, on Twitter. (laughs) And then I also hope you're finding like backup channels to, like you said, the fact that you're on rational ground, like that's already a huge... um, huge step to combat that so find her there guys too like that's super important yeah (laughs) and yeah Yeah. excellent resources there as well bunch of brilliant people that um yeah i'm glad you guys are all finding each other and um, (laughs) i'm doing this work for us um so listeners uh we'll catch you next time but in the meantime keep it sane keep it peaceful and keep it voluntary I was going to say just um, for uh, global, global. I also uh, have some involvement with Pandata 19 and they have uh, some really good global data as well. If, if anybody is not in the U S and listening, um, they have some really good resources. Yeah. (laughs) Actually we do have a guy um, in Ireland that listens. So I'm sure he's not the only one who's abroad. So (laughs) definitely like you've said before, it's a, it's a, worldwide thing and people do look to what we're doing here um so it's important to share thank you so much for having me tonight absolutely thanks for coming (laughs) thank Thank you you. bye bye